I want to welcome you to our Tuesday and Thursday morning devotionals. My name is Mike. I'm our friends with Campus Pastor. And I also want to wish you a happy new year from New Hope Church. Isn't that wild, guys? By the end of the day, we're going to be moving into the very new year, into 2021. 2020, adios. I'm so glad that you're going to be in the rearview mirror. 2020 has been the year that just keeps on giving, hasn't it? So don't forget, there are no services online today at any of our campuses or online, of course. Also, make sure you attend our new series that's beginning January the 3rd. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be a great series. It's going to take us to a place we've never been before. And we're going to see where the future of New Hope's going, as well as as Joshua and the children of Israel move across the Jordan River into a place they'd never been before. Make sure, make sure, make sure that you do this, church family. Bring a friend. uh, Share our stuff online, our invites. Remember, the majority of people will come if you simply invite them. So bring your friends, your family, your neighbors. Neighbors, um, uh, make sure and let people know that who people who can't attend online uh, in person that there's the availability to also attend online. Also, if it's your first time here, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. In fact, we have a phrase at New Hope Church. We believe that you belong here, that God has a place for you right here at New Hope Church. So make sure you drop a line. Let us know where you're tuning in from. Also, I know for some people it's been really difficult. And so if you have a prayer request, let us pray for you, man. There will be lots and lots of folks who would be encouraged and honestly would be honored to pray for you. So uh, we're talking about 2021 now. We're in, we're in 2021. New series beginning January 3rd. Also, guess what's happening on January 3rd? We're recruiting brand new life group leaders. So if you don't know what life groups are, they are the smaller side of New Hope Church. We say we go big on the weekends, small during the weekday. And that is in online and in-person Bible studies called life groups. And But to do those effectively, we need people who will be life group leaders. We have men's groups, women's groups, um, uh, groups that are on boats and groups that meet all over the place. Um, We have, like I said, in-person groups and online groups, and that is all based on a life group leader. So if you're ready to become a life group, remember January 3rd, all you have to do is text the word serve to 642123. And when you go down on the volunteer list, click the life group leader opportunity and you can start the application right there. And I'll tell you, at the end of January, we're going to start recruiting. We're actually going to start opening the life group finder. And so your life group will start to get populated all the way to Valentine's Day. So it's going to be a fantastic thing. Make sure you start praying now. But hey, you know what? I just really believe Bible calls us to serve. And so, man, let's get involved and let's serve. But remember, you won't be able to sign into a life group. You'll see you'll hear that announcement towards the end of the month. Right now, it's going to be for life group leaders. So, if you have your Bible or Bible app, I'd like to invite you to open up to the book of Proverbs. We're going to, you know, be in the the book of Proverbs chapter 9. Now, I wish I had time to cover the whole chapter, but there's just a lot of stuff here. And so, really, I'm just going to really focus on one verse uh, for the sake of time and for the sake of this morning. And it's for the sake so that you can kick off 2021 and uh, you don't have to spend all 24 hours with because it would probably take that long. So Proverbs 19.21. And if you don't know this, the book of Proverbs is located right next to Psalms, nearly the middle of the Bible. In fact, uh, the book of Proverbs is a collection of wise sayings that were written a long, long time ago. Now, before I jump into this, I want to share a little bit about myself. Now, this may be scary. Hold on. Uh, just hold on a list for a moment. I- I'm kind of a planner. I mean, uh, 
I like to get ready for stuff when I think th- when I see that uh, the climate of the world is changing or things are getting kind of hot and heavy or dicey. Um, I just start to get a little bit more prepared. So when you think about like, for example, back in March, when things were getting kind of hot and dicey and you could see things were closing down. I had already been watching things back in December and uh, been hearing reports of some weird stuff happening in November. And and, you know, I just kind of remembered, hey, you know what? I remember when Harvey hit and, you know, there were some things that I couldn't buy at the grocery store. Things were getting kind of weird. People acted kind of crazy. So my prepping spirit just kicked in. I thought, well, you know what? This time, if uh, things change, I'm going to be ready. So what I did is this is what I did because I'm a planner and I'm a little bit of a prepper. I went ahead and went to the grocery store uh, before things got crazy with the pandemic. And I, I bought I bought I bought lots and lots of uh, eggs. Yeah, I bought a lot of eggs and I filled up our fridge in the in the garage with eggs and our fridge in the house with eggs. Why? Because during Harvey, I remembered I couldn't find a, a carton of eggs. So I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to run out of eggs this time. You know what? And we had eggs. I had enough eggs for my neighbors. I had enough eggs for the next neighborhood like next over, uh, right next to us. You know, I was going to have eggs. That's all I knew. All right. That's enough about me now that you know about the silliness that goes on in my head. Maybe you understand a little bit better better a little bit more about me i like to plan ahead for things especially when things are going to go wrong but the truth is reality is this i often plan without god which is a problem and that's what proverbs nineteen twenty one reminds us that that we need to remember who's in charge and it says this so if you have your bibles proverbs nineteen twenty one: many are the plans in a person's heart but it is the lord's purpose that prevails many are the plans in a person's heart but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Now think about this for a moment. As humans, I think it's so normal and natural for us to have ideas, thoughts, and well, we just plan out our life, right? I mean, that's a good thing, I think. We plan out our future. We plan out our retirement. We plan out how we're going to pay for college. You plan out where you're going for vacation. You plan out your career choice. We plan out where we're going to dinner, right? What we're going to wear. I can remember planning for college. I so badly, I wanted to be a doctor, so I was a pre-med major at U of H. Go Kooks. And I was uh, uh, working really, really hard taking classes like molecular molecular biology, genetics, biochem, and a slew of other courses. And I, I had great intentions of uh, becoming a doctor. And my plan was to um, work as a doctor in, in the fall and spring and, and in the summers, donating my time to medical missions to serve the poor and help those who couldn't afford to get medical care. And so in my mind, I thought, well, I'll serve God with my talents and I'll make a little money too. And then volunteer some time in the summer. It sounded good to me. And, and the truth is, is the, I, I thought it was a great idea. It was a great plan. I think it was a good plan. I still do. But the truth is, when I began to uh, really, really lean into God, and that ironic, all this time, I'd never really thought about asking God what his thoughts were. As I began praying and fasting, man, and, and I was actually serving as a college pastor already. Um, it really just began to stir in me. I, I don't know what was going on. I didn't really know at the time. I just figured I was chasing something that was a good career, uh, good for the future, and I could still donate my time to serving the Lord. But in the, between those two semesters, uh, by the way, I was about to graduate. I had seven hours left. And it was that December that uh, as I began fasting and praying, I just felt God stirring me more and more. And, and so one day I just went on to the U of H campus while classes weren't happening, but the building was still open. And I just started walking, walking through the campus, and I ended up in the history department, and it was really a place that I had never been. 
And uh, I walked to the counselors. They had office, and they had all these little pamphlets about you know degree tracks. And and I picked this one up. Seriously, first one I picked up, and it was a history degree. And it talked about like, well, what do people with history degrees do? I mean, I used to like the History Channel back then. It was uh, normal history, not like it is now with reality shows. And and uh, I, I used to like to read history books. And so I picked it up, and, and I noticed it said, well, some become teachers some, who get history degrees. Some become lawyers, and some become doctors. It's like, okay, that sounds good. And, and, and all these different careers, and no joke, on the very, very last line, it said some even become pastors. I can't really explain it, but it was the confirmation that I needed. I went and spoke to a counselor right away. I changed my major. Like I said, I had seven hours to graduate. And I believe it took me about another 36 hours as I became a history major. Bear in mind, I was paying for school myself, which meant at least three more semesters. And three more semesters, I finished. Then I went on to seminary and I got a master's degree in divinity uh, instead of going to med school. And let me tell you. It was the best decision I ever made. I mean, looking back, um, I mean, maybe you could wonder and think, hey, maybe I wasn't going to make as much money. Maybe I could have made more money. But the truth is, is, I knew I was right where God was calling me to be and, and what he wanted me to do. And I believe this 100%. I was in right at the center of his plan for my life. And more than 20 years later, 20 years later, uh, 20-something years in ministry, not even one moment do I ever regret it. Why? Because God's plan is better than ours. God's plan is better than anything we can think of. I mean, really quick, these were three things that I thought about that I learned from Scripture. Number one, God sees everything. Remember, God knows the future, knows the past. He knows everything about this. And and really, Hebrews 4.13, if you're taking notes, that's kind of a reminder of that. Number two, God's just smarter than us. You know, Isaiah 55.8 tells us his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And number three, truth is, we may plan and we do plan, right? But only God establishes our steps. And you heard that last time in Proverbs 16, 9. So planning is okay. It's been set in our hearts by God. Think about it like this. When God creates, he has an incredible plan. He doesn't just toss out trees and food and stuff. He has an order in which he does things. And it's beautifully done. It's like, why? Why did God create pigs? Could you imagine a life without pigs? bacon. I'm just saying, God knew how much we would enjoy those little little crispy strips of bacon. I'm getting so hungry right now. I seriously want breakfast. (laughs) But when we plan, all we're doing is acting like our Heavenly Father. He's got a plan, and we're stepping in His footsteps, and we're planning ahead. He put all that good stuff in our heart, and that's why you're wired the way you're wired. It's why you're gifted the way you are. Maybe you could throw a ball really fast or really good. Maybe you're a good reader. Maybe you're great at research. Maybe you're great at debate. It's because God put that talents and those gifts in you. It wasn't by accident. That's why Ephesians 2.10 even tells us, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared for us to do. Did you hear that? God prepared in advance for you and I to do good things, to do good works that he might be glorified. 
In fact, in the last few years, my family and I have been planning out this year, the year that my son would turn 12, and he recently turned 12, and that was a year that we would come alongside him, and we would do intentional discipleship, but not just me. I've been discipling him all these years as, as since he was a little baby. We've started discipling him since he could really walk, but now I was going to bring other men into the picture, and uh, uh, I have other pastors, other friends, other leaders that are going to come into his life this year, and they're going to pour into him. They're going to meet with him. They're going to encourage him. And uh, I've also got several books. He's got a stack of books we've been going through, and it's been amazing. He's been reading them. The deal was this. This was a deal. If he would choose, if he would make a deal with me, if he would agree, you know, Lamentations 3.3 tells us, how can two walk together unless they agree? So if he would agree to go into this promise with me, this agreement, and he would be agree to be discipled, and he would agree to read these books, and it's been fantastic, by the way. Every Nearly every morning we wake up early, we go to breakfast together, and we talk about this, and we talk about how to be a better man, how to be a godly man. And, and if he did that, the deal was this. At the end of the year, I would take him for one weekend, a few days only, anywhere in the world he wanted to go. So recently he chose Hawaii. I guess we're going fishing because if you know anything about me, wherever I go, I go fishing. So he chose Hawaii and he doesn't know, but I have all these plans for him that weekend. In fact, I'm looking for cheap tickets now. So we're searching through and uh, super, super excited about it. And what we're going to do at the end of the year is uh, after on his birthday. So after we go to Hawaii, we're going to come back and it'll be his birthday. We're going to have a birthday party that weekend. And me and all the men that spent time pouring into him are actually going to tell him what kind of man right in the middle of the party while everybody's there. We're going to sit him down and we're going to tell him what kind of man that we saw in him and that he's a good man and he has what it takes to do all the things that God has called him to be. By the way, my 10-year-old daughter knows we're going to do the same thing with her, except my wife is going to do the discipling and she's going to bring some women into the picture. Thank God she's only 10 because she's talking about Paris. And man, I don't speak French, except for French fries. So I'm just telling you, man, we're saving up. We've been planning. So let's go back to Proverbs 19.21 one more time. Many are the plans in a person's heart. So we got all kinds of plans. It's a good thing. We've got all kinds of things that we're thinking about, all kinds of ideas. But it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. The word purpose in Hebrew, its original language, where it was written in the Old Testament is the word Eitzah. Eitzah, which means to counsel or advice or to have purpose, which is why verse, the verse right before verse 1920 in Proverbs, it says this, listen to advice and accept discipline. Listen to advice and accept discipline. And at the end, you will be counted among the wise. God's way is just better. God's advice, God's purpose, God's plan is just better. And there's even science to prove this. I'm not just saying this from a biblical perspective, which, by the way, I think supersedes science because science comes from God. But anyway, that's another conversation. Science has long proved, this is not a new thing, that God's way is better than our ways. I mean, think about a basic command that the Bible gives us. When it talks about in Hebrews, it says, don't stop meeting together. In other words, go to church. Well, we know that this that this has even happened in the pandemic, that attending church, they, they've shown study after study that it improves our mental health. In fact, USA Today recently came out with an article where they were talking about this. And it's a great article. And this is what the article is called. Healthcare workers who attend church services have better mental health. And this is the subscript on the article. Coronavirus lockdowns were meant to protect our physical health 
New research shows that they may quite be quite damaging to our mental health. And I'll just read some excerpts because I've clipped out some. It's a long uh, d- uh, article, but I really want you to see some of this. And this is just dealing with healthcare workers, but the research goes even past healthcare workers to anybody who, really, just any person. Research conducted over the past few years by one of the authors, Dr. Vander Weil, and his colleagues at Harvard's Chan's, Harvard's Chan's School of Public Health has shown how integral communities, specifically regular church attendance, can be to the health and well-being. In fact, new research of theirs released this month shows that weekly worship attendance can save the lives of life savers. In other words, those who serve in the medical community and EMS, police officers, significantly lowering the risk of deaths of despair attributed to suicide, drug overdose, or alcohol poisoning for the health care workers in the study. Regular church attendance is beneficial, and so it's keeping these people from harming themselves just going to church. Regular church attendance was a study's common denominator, but clearly and convincingly, the research found something unique in faith experience and the communities that cultivate this. Though this study began well before COVID-19 even entered our lexicon, the data conveniently and importantly tracked healthcare workers and clinicians over a period of decades. So my apology, not EMS and police, this was specifically healthcare workers. Those who attended religious services at least once a week were significantly less likely to die from death or despair than secular, than those who don't. Women who attended services at least once per week had a 68% lower risk of death from despair compared to those who didn't attend services. Men had a 33% lower risk. Isn't that amazing? Church will literally save your life. God's plan for us will literally save your life. And it went on to say this. Um, Ironically, the religious gatherings that were earlier hotbeds of the novel coronavirus transmission might be just the type of connection that the healthcare workers and people of all walks of life, that includes everybody else, really need to help combat the isolation and strains of the pandemic. Though Dr. Van, Van der Wheeler's research, research centered on healthcare workers, it's a reasonable assumption that tens of millions of people could benefit from the community of redemptive qualities found uniquely in the houses of worship. So I'm going to kind of jump on the article because there's just a lot of information. One can certainly receive some measurable benefits from all sorts of community activities in ways that may be similar to those gained from church attendance. But there are noticeable differences. This is where it gets really cool. Church communities often are fountains of hope and spiritual compasses for those congregants seeking a greater purpose in life. The teaching of faith traditions provide an understanding and processing of suffering and the promise of redemption in a world beyond the earthly one. One of those tools we can say with scientific assurance rests behind the doors of our churches. These faith communities provide something that in the times that can lift people's hearts, minds, and spirits while still giving them hope for a brighter tomorrow. In that amazing article, by the way, there are numerous articles just like this. In fact, there's another article that I recently read that said that the people who improve their mental health, possibly the only category were people who attended church. But the reality is this. You already know this. This is not new news to you. You know, as a follower of Jesus, God's plan is always better. God knows what he is doing and his ways are better than our ways. They're higher So this is what I believe. At the end of the day, the issue is I don't believe it's so much about whether or not we understand this word or comprehend that God's purposes are are tough. 
or that his, his insights or advice is, is better than ours. I think our real struggle is this. It's trusting what it says. It's trusting that his way is better. It's like Soren Kierkegaard said, the Bible isn't so hard to understand, but we Christians are a bunch of scheming swindlers. Man, he comes right at us. We pretend to be unable to understand it, the Bible because we know it very well that the minute we understand it, we are obliged to act accordingly. He says, so if we admit that we understand what it's saying, we got to do what it says. And, and, and that's what he says. He says, you know what, man, we just don't want to admit it. All right. If you don't believe me, case in point, one of the most popular Bibles verses that people love to hear is this. Jeremiah 29, 11. Jeremiah 29, 11. I bet you some of you might even have that tattoo on you. It says this. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper. Oh, that's such a good word. Everybody loves to prosper you and not to harm you. Oh, man, I don't want to be harmed. Thank you, Lord, that you're taking care of me. Isn't that good? Plans to give you. God's going to give me something. Praise God. Isn't that good? Plans to give you what? A hope and a future. It doesn't get any better than that. You know this. This is just, let's just be honest here. We're, we're, this is church stuff. So let's, you know, when we, you know that when we hear those words, we get excited and motivated. You're ready to lose it all for God because it's going to go our way if we believe it. And God, we're going to receive it. We're going to get the job, the girl, the spouse, the car, the right college, the promotion. But you know what? If you continue to read the next two verses, it says something a little bit different. In Jeremiah 29, 12, it says this. Then you will call on me and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. <laughs> I love it. Because what it tells us is it doesn't come down to our terms. It's not about us. It's not about our way. It's God's way. It's about God's glory. It's about what God is doing in this world. It has nothing to do with our plan. Even though those things are wired, we're, we're gifted and wired. It has everything to do with our Heavenly Father, His advice, His counsel, His way. It's always better. Recently, Pastor Tim led us through a series called Believe, and we kicked off our series with a guy named Zachariah. He was John, John, uh, what would be John, Jesus's cousin, John, John the Baptist, Jesus's cousin's father. If you remember the series, you will know that Zachariah doubted God. Yes, he was a priest. He was a man of God. And it was the first time in 400 years God had spoken. But Zachariah doubted God's plan for what was to come. And then, of course, um, we talked about Mary. Mary's response was a polar opposite. Mary embraced what God would say. She was excited. There was a song uh, that she wrote out of her response to God. And so real quick, I want to read a poem to you by Sarah Osborne. And she talks about these two different responses in the ways both Zachariah and Mary responded to God when they found out about his plan. And it begins like this. Zachariah asked, how can I know? Mary asked, how will this be? Zechariah asked, wanting answers. Mary asked, wanting intimacy. He doubted and wondered. She marveled and pondered. He drew back in terror. She stood still and wondered. He wanted an explanation. She embraced imperfection. He made calculations. She released expectations. He needed clarity. She needed bravery. He could no longer speak. 
She couldn't help but sing. He wanted to understand. She wanted to feel his hand. He said, I need to know. She said, may it be so. If you two find yourself desperate to understand, begging to know his plan, would you instead trust that you can draw close and hold his hand? A prompt where you might think you need understanding, but what you actually need, what we need, is trust. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Man, church family, I love you so much. Um, Happy New Year to you. We're going to see you next time. Uh, I believe next time will be a Sunday morning, and it's going to be awesome. January 3rd, as we kick off our new series once again. I love you, church family, and have a happy new year. God bless you. See you until next time.